ADT professionally installs Google Nest products, helping to make your home safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security system from virtually anywhere. And with Nest Cams and Nest Doorbell, you get intelligent alerts on what matters most. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. A show that is full of more randomness than the HCT World Championships, this is the E-League Report, the best damn esports show you'll listen to this week. I'm Brian, he's seven, and we're broadcasting live through our PR representative in order to not be held accountable for anything we say. Oh, I like that one. That's a good, that's good. Uh, shout out to Rick Fox. There you go. Poor guy. On this episode, Epic found an expensive way to bring Rocket League to the Epic Store. Liquid uses their newfound bankroll to get into auto chess. Riot hates spoilers as much as you do. CSGO may be on the verge of another roster apocalypse, and RNG dominates the HCT World Championships. But first, a duo of college kids has executed the perfect mic drop. So the college duo uh, has announced that they're quitting Fortnite after winning a tournament, which was probably the most awkward moment for a broadcaster that I've seen in a while. And he tried to cut it off and hand right. the mic to the other guy, and then the other guy <laughs> ends up like also saying the exact same thing. Is this the best victory speech ever? I, I think it's pretty funny. They, they go and say... Basically, they don't like the direction of the game. So they keep one. Now, what are you going to do? And they're like, well, we're going to do this, that, and the other. It's not worth the route that they go like, well, I think we're just done playing Fortnite. We want to play other stuff. It's not fun. Uh, we don't like the direction things are going. I think they also say uh, there's a chance that they can get back into it, depending on where Epic does go uh, with the changes. But it doesn't seem like if they're unhappy with where it is currently uh, that they're going to stick around. Definitely a hell of a way to protest. You just won, like, what, $6,000, of course, for your university, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, you get some shiny rings, and uh, you embarrass the poor uh, interviewer on stage. <laughs> yeah. Try desperately to cut I, them off. So, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Generally, you look for, like, it. you look towards... Um, as like a, a as a caster, you, you look at like it's going to be really awkward anyway. Sometimes they give like one word answers; they're not very talkative. But you don't always expect them to be like, "Yeah, I'm just done with this game. Screw it." Uh, that's and not just that we're done, but we're going to take a minute to explain what is wrong with the game. <laughs> right? They used it as a platform to just basically uh, air their their problems with uh, way competitive Fortnite is, uh, and I thought that was quite quite funny. It got a, a made its rounds on Reddit at least. Yeah, which is, you know, it's been a busy week for Epic along those lines. So uh, they have addressed these changes that these players are talking about in particular, which is largely around the siphon changes. So there's this very popular patch that everybody, you know, the vocal minority absolutely loved, uh, felt really good in competitive play. But according to Epic, actually caused a lot of challenges for them from the normal player base, basically saying that the siphon effect that was present in the game in that patch actually made it harder for your average newbie who has no idea what they're doing right. to be good at the game. And they actually saw a drop in player numbers and basically said we're willing to sacrifice some at the competitive level in order to keep our general player base happy. And if you really want to uh, experience the siphon effect, it's still live in the arena version of the game <laughs> right well i mean it makes it makes sense uh that they would go towards the broader base which is uh everybody who is well not cheating and also playing 
uh, the game, but not competitively. Uh, or you could be—I guess you could be cheating and playing competitively. We've seen uh, quite a few Maybe bands quite last competitive week. Yeah. when you were cheating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I think it makes sense. We've seen uh, harken back to the days of like World of Warcraft. A lot of the changes that they made around uh, were like PVE based because a very small section of that group that did PVP, right? So, yeah. or they were the like high end rating group where they made a lot of quality of life changes. Uh, that affected 98% of the audience, not the 1% or 2% Correct. who are actually doing the competitive stuff. And why they ultimately made abilities operate differently in Arena, for example, because they said, well, we don't, we, yeah. we can't change these abilities. We don't want to nerf them because they're OP in this tiny game mode. Uh, it's actually interesting that Epic couldn't do the same thing because it feels like if, generally speaking, everybody is a professional on a server, being able to flip that on would be useful. Right. Um, and this also comes at a time where they're also fighting this massive battle uh, with the player base over the uh, field of view and the lack of a slider yes. and everyone, yeah. oh, no, it needs to be 90. No, it's 80. And just, it's, it's just not a good time for Epic as far as keeping the uh, Fortnite player base happy. No, it's not. I mean, they're making some drastic changes, uh, and it's always difficult to take away from players once they've already had it, right? Like, giving them something new, you're applauded for taking something away, you're demonized. So, uh, and that's very much the case here, is you have a a, a company that uh, basically found uh, a loophole uh, when it came to field of view on the stretch screen resolution stuff. Uh, and so, in doing so, they've capped, uh, you know, your field of view, and people don't like that because they've lost out essentially on that extra little competitive edge. And so I, I, I get it. It's a vocal minority, large, largely here. A very uh, vocal minority. Yeah. Reddit's tagline should just be the vocal minority. Yeah. Uh, so again, when we bring up things like this, it's not to, that Epic is doing absolutely everything wrong. It's one of those things where it's like the damned the, if you do damned if you don't right? basically there was no win in this right yeah. you're they're going to get it it's either do we get it from 98 percent of the people or two percent but i do think to your uh comment about world of warcraft there is a lesson to be learned there in that why not have some sort of competitive mode or the ability right. to like turn this feature on and off or opt in and out of it for a particular server or something of that nature because it was a big part of the game and i do agree when we're talking about pure competitiveness i don't like that it basically forces more people into hiding and playing a stealth more style gameplay which is not as exciting from an esports or an observer perspective because no. that's really the the call out here beyond just like oh, i want that health back is that well now there's no point in me diving into a gunfight because if you're in a gunfight and there's like two or three people around you killing somebody and getting that health and resource bonus helps you stay in that gunfight longer as opposed to like, right. well, there's no point in me engaging in this fight and I want to go and hide behind the bushes. And that's not necessarily the type of gameplay that makes Fortnite exciting. It's not something like Overwatch where like you want to avoid disadvantage or disadvantageous uh, engagements where here Fortnite has been about that, right? I can go in there knowing that if I can kill that guy fast enough, I will get some health back and be able to sustain against this other person. It does make the game a little bit more boring to watch. So it's a fair point. It, it is. And we also see kind of the inverse of that, which is uh, in like Apex Legends, there's like kind of like third team to the the fight is the, the victors. Yep. So you get this like third team model because the other team uh, without like the uh, without being able to heal from all those kills basically they have to they have downtime and if you attack during that downtime the other team has basically done a lot of the work for you so yeah. it, it doesn't it, encourage engagements right. it it doesn't yeah that is correct yep. 
Moving on to our other favorite punching bag, Valve is uh, getting a little bit more. We've been talking about this for months now, right? Epic is slowly getting more and more involved in Dota, similar to what we've seen them do in CSGO. They've got the uh, new Dota 2 Pro Circuit schedule out in which people can start bidding against that for majors and minors. But the most important thing out of this is they actually are also going to have a more direct say in the formats right. of these events. So there's a lot of inconsistencies this last season. Was this just an inevitable move by Valve into the Dota space as they've done similar on the CSGO side? I think so. I think so. Um, they they wanted to... like Last year was very much a, an experimental year, I guess you'd say, from like a DPC standpoint. Yep. And so this is a little bit of a revision. But they also found loopholes when they... Uh, basically in that structure and around mostly around like the the majors and, and minor formats uh and also like who is getting points for which tournament and getting invited so this way they can adjust uh who basically slots towards like regions where there is stronger co- competitions versus uh, i think like even north america had like one less region for like the long or one less spot for uh, until we got to like the last major i think yep. uh so it it makes sense uh it was inevitable they're going to do it because they are putting a lot of money into it and with them putting up to like five hundred thousand dollars down on these majors like uh, it makes a lot of sense for them to uh really try and control it and make sure the competitive integrity is there which is important because these majors and minors are far more important to the international than they have in years past the international no longer completely based on an invitational module model or largely based on an invitational model there is now these majors and minors that matter and it's hard to say that they matter if there's inconsistencies in how people get in and there's ways to manipulate what you participate right. what you don't participate in in order to maximize your chances to get in there that's not the kind of gamesmanship that valve wants to see and generally speaking they have had challenges just in general with especially the minors because they tend to get run by organizations that are maybe not as well vetted as a major organization ends up being when they do get granted a dota 2 major and it allows them to say well you at least have to do these things you have to play this format you have to invite x number of teams from x number of regions i I think it's nothing but a positive mood and you know we have been talking for years about how valve just needed to start getting more involved in their esports they can't just sit passively by and decide when they want to jump in and out so overall that's a good trend that i've seen is them just getting more heavily involved in the dota 2 scene and keeping the competitive integrity in place look at that look at that just love me some competitive integrity uh keeping it to cs go now in valve world danger zone gets a handful of familiar updates yeah. so this is one of those things and we see this a lot in software development where like somebody gets out ahead of something and then somebody else comes with these cool features that make it a differentiator and if those features are not hard enough to uh, mimic. They just get absorbed into the the big beast and the big beast keeps going. And so we saw Fortnite do this very easily to Apex Legends and now Valve has jumped on the same train uh, with their Danger Zone, which is their Battle Royale mode, adding a lot of the same features that uh, will sound very familiar to us. Yeah, they added uh, pinging uh, on the map, so there's an actual ping system like respawning. They've even added a few different uh, like like exo boots for jumps and, and some other items so they're basically taking some of those things especially like the ping system is very much like an apex legend thing that landed yeah uh, this is the respawn then, stuff yeah as well. yeah so uh, a lot of those things uh apex legends came in and and made themselves different than say Fortnite and well danger zone although i wouldn't consider danger zone at the time to be really something I, that they should be going after but I still don't yeah i i i have questions 
Um, but it, it did bring a lot of people back to CSGO initially when it came out. Yep. But there hasn't. I think this is probably the first big update, including like a new map and everything I else. I forgot it existed. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it had a good spike and then kind of went away. Um, but, I, I mean, I also played it some, and it was just not... It wasn't like it wasn't well thought out. It very much felt like a mod. It's like every other game that has tried to do this. This is like Realm Royale early on, where they tried to wedge a battle royale into paladins. Right, right. Like when you when you don't do it from the ground up, it is a very hard genre to because there is a lot of nuance to it. As much as we say it's a very simple thing to create, it is from like a game programming perspective, but from a game design perspective, there's yeah. a lot of nuance that goes into it. Like we're talking about with the thing encouraging engagements. They also added the rotary wheel for selecting uh, weapons as well. So literally like putting a lot of polish on it i guess the question i have for you here is what exactly is behind this are they saying oh we've got a decent player base that it's already obviously csgo itself is popular there's a sub there's a small portion that we're not aware of the percentage of that is playing danger zone we want to keep those people happy or is this saying oh we need to start investing more in battle royale or we're going to get our lunch eaten if we don't make this mode more popular i think it's more of they see you know the csgo base has been around for some time right they need to inject something new to it and the the idea that you can one day be a competitive csgo player isn't really a driving factor for enough people and they just want other things for them to be able to do i mean we're seeing the same thing with like overwatch and their uh, workshop feature like getting people letting people in there to play play with this play the same game but a bit differently and that's largely what this is Uh, and it worked really well for them when they flipped over to i think they they did a combination of that's when they went csgo completely free to play and they added danger zone at the same time so it's hard to tell whether or not one of those drove those numbers up or the other i'm guessing just being free was it uh but there was a lot of people playing danger zone to begin with but it just didn't have enough to keep you going uh, this is, if anything, a very late addition to it, and maybe past the point in which Danger Zone could be anything. Um, but kind of no, like Blackout Mode in Call of Duty. It came out with a roar, and then... Yeah, it, it did, but it, whether or not they're going to continue doing it is always that question, right? Do you want to invest in a game that could be cycled out in a year? Now, in this, do you want to invest in a game that may not get new content in a year? We got pretty close. I think it's been about, what, eight months? Yeah, it's, uh, been, it's been quite a while. Yeah, yeah. And so. it's just, and with nothing in between, right? Like, yes, this stuff is interesting, and you could say, oh, well, you know, Apex Legend hasn't been out that long, but there was nothing in between. There were plenty of things that, that Fortnite still does better, or Player Unknown's Battleground still does better yeah. that they have not added to CSGO. These are, relatively speaking, fairly easy to implement features that do not impact, like, core gameplay um, in the same way that something that might take months and months to develop would. So it's, it's an interesting approach. I'm glad they're doing it, but in the end, uh, especially when you come, you know, you mentioned something on the aspiration front, like, it's hard to compete with Fortnite and its ability to draw in players because they have this giant marketing machine of esports open tournaments that allow anybody to get in and play and cheat and get themselves some money, where Counter-Strike still has a pretty giant, unrealistic barrier to entry for the average player to get involved in the competitive scene. Yeah, and in the way that Valve just runs when it comes to this stuff anyway, it's like you're not going to see it be a competitive thing anytime in the near future. Uh, they've they've shown no inklings that they're wanting to turn this into an esport alongside what is already established with CS:GO. I, it's yep. not going to happen. I, I don't see it. Yep. Yep. Uh, also in CS:GO roster news, so Devils won the Polish esports outfit has parted ways with their CS:GO team over alleged contract disputes with the players. There are a couple of rumors and speculations out there as to why negotiations didn't pan out. Do you think do you think this ultimately falls on the org or the players? Um, I think this was largely the players, the players' choice here. Um, you know, they got signed with Devils One. They became uh, a lot more popular. They did, they did better than expected, uh, and became a 
basically the top team right now in Poland. Um, if you look at like their HLTV rankings or something like that, if you want to go by weighting of it all, they're only like, I think around like 24, basically the equivalent to like maybe a, like a mouse sports or an optic uh, in their current iteration, uh, not, not previous optic. Uh, and so they're, they're doing well. They have Taz, uh, X Virtus Pro. They've got uh, Mouse, who I think was X. I want to say it was XG2. Uh, no, Kingwin. Kingwin. There you go. Um, anyways, so they have some quality players. But again, they're with a smaller outfit. And when it boils down to it, they see that, okay, we've been here nine months. I think their contract is up in three if they did exactly a year. Yep. But you also have people like Bialy, who just left Virtus Pro. He doesn't like where they're going. Could be. Uh, jumping over and joining Taz and crew, which could just basically continue this team's quality and rise to the top. And if they're with an outfit that is either doesn't have the financial backing to give them everything they need, uh, or they think they can get more money elsewhere, because there's a lot of teams out there looking to buy up teams. Uh, And there's a lot of money in esports right now in different outfits they think they can get more elsewhere and it's i mean this is like the tsm thing right where we talk about like orgs with a lot of money Mm -hmm. from outside of csgo sitting on the sidelines waiting for that opportunity to buy themselves in and uh, bialy before left vp shortly after taz i believe right so they already have an existing relationship together and so the chances that they could play together again on this team might be you know that there's some potential built-in synergy already there yeah when this came down that they were going to uh that Taz and crew is basically leaving uh, Devils One. That they uh, there was also the rumor that Bialy was unhappy in their current uh, boot camp situation, uh, couldn't get along with the players, and that wanted to leave before they got too far along. And so those rumors uh, basically hit around the same time uh, that the announcement from Devils One came out, and then Bialy I think confirmed like within the last like 10 hours that yes, I'm officially gone. I'm officially stepping down. Even though VP hasn't made anything official as of this time, but it's, it's there. Yeah, Yeah. it's there. And it (laughs) sounds like an opera. It would seem silly for them not to all potentially come together. And like you said, plenty of orgs out there that could potentially grab them up. Uh, ESL has announced a return of IEM Chicago, but with a new format that's only going to feature eight teams down from the original 16 from last year. Also added twist of North America versus Europe, so taking more of a uh, show match type approach. We've talked about these smaller tournaments and their potential uh, opportunities for success and, and to kind of shake up the format. What do you think about some of this happening to what has largely been a more mainstream CSGO event up to this point, actually becoming more of a show match type event? Well, um, they did really well with ESL uh, Chicago because, or in or IEM, ESL did very well with IEM Chicago last year. Uh, it was like basically first meant, year for it. It right? was the first yeah. year for it. Uh, sold out incredibly fast. Was well attended, and so obviously they're coming back for it. Uh, now I think what you're seeing is is Intel has kind of done a a lot of different things from. Uh, with with IEM, I mean, they've even dabbled in. They're one of the first ones to dabble in, like, PUBG. And so they're always kind of just changing formats and changing games and seeing what they can do to kind of push it. Uh, but we talked before, like, there's more uh, uh, there's there's more tournaments out there than ever before. More options to go to things. We saw what happened to ESL 1 Mumbai, which is, like, people just chose not to go. We mentioned on one more show. No, well, I mean, it happened, right? And so they look at this and, like, okay, if we pare it down to eight teams instead of 16, we can it's, – it's the cost dramatically lower. The amount of time you have to spend running the tournament lowers. Uh, and you can choose – 
top-notch teams, and they're more interested to come because they've got a better shot at here's making a, here's money. Here's a giant prize pool. Here's a 50% better chance and, of and all winning have, that prize pool. And all you have to do is beat Team Liquid. That's all you got to do because yeah. nobody else in NA is going to come close in this one. Sorry, sorry C9, but it's just not going to happen. Yep. So, Which is why that's the one problem I have with this format is it's su- it's going to create a super lopsided event. It it. Yeah, it will. I mean, I, I definitely feel like the interesting side, depending on who gets brought in, but the interesting side will be Europe. Uh, and you know Team Liquid will, will drop whatever they're doing to go to this one because they'll at least get, uh, you know, top two. They're like, hey, right? can we get a legend status out of winning this tournament, please? <laughs> yeah. So we yeah. just randomly show up at every major for the next year and people wonder what we've done lately. Yeah, yeah. No, I think they – I think – it's good that they're they're changing it up a little bit. The North America versus Europe. Now, I don't know if that means that they're actually deciding in groups. I, I didn't read that. They're kind of billing it as North America versus Europe. It makes sense if they were like Group A and Group B uh, and separate them by regionality. But they didn't say specifically that they're doing it. So yeah, it's like I think what would make sense would be like the best team in America out of the groups, the best team in Europe out of the groups play each other otherwise you're gonna end up with an all european yeah. final yeah i didn't read that that was 100 percent where they're going but if you're billing it as such it's probably pretty much assumed that that is the structure yep yep uh moving on to hearthstone we haven't talked about hearthstone in a while at least in a way that's about hearthstone esports except for you just yeah. like crying and sobbing silently yeah. in the corner and convulsing but There's hunter that. ace uh wins the 2019 hearthstone world championships in the most amazing fashion in a five game set against viper this is actually really exciting uh game five was a total roller coaster <laughs> it's actually really exciting it's actually really exciting i'm gonna be honest like hearthstone esports doesn't isn't the average viewer that does not know the game intimately it's not like jump out of your seat and cheer on a repeated basis but like every clip i watched was like people doing exactly that uh so a huge roller coaster uh, will this be the most dramatic grand finals ever in hearthstone history oh without a doubt i mean people always kind of harken back to pavel getting the rng uh, off of uh babbling book and just getting the exact spell he needed there uh, and those little bits of rng kind of add this like there holy is a chance crap. yeah these holy crap moments uh but what viper have what ran into was after playing i think it was like like turn seven plays archvillain reform and just he knows he's basically out of gas so he needs to get uh, if you don't know what Archvillain Reform is, basically replaces your hand in your deck with uh, legendary minions. So he's reached the point in his zoo deck that he's out of gas. He's not going to be able to win out against a control shaman uh, and basically decides, all right, I'm just going to throw it to the RNG. And this is game five. Like, this is all the money on the line. Right. They they were both two and two. Uh, and he does this and just hilarity and insanity and RNG like roller coaster just ensues. You basically have uh, out of that, he gets uh, Azalina, which allows him to basically steal a copy of the other uh, of his uh, opponent's hand. So Hunter Ace. Um, so every time he runs out of gas, he just, he gets an Azalina, steals Hunter Ace's hand, gets everything Hunter Ace has to play. And so it looked like multiple times that like Viper's done. There's no way Hunter Ace can out, outlast this uh, with just a standard shaman control deck. But again, you, there's that RNG element where he occasionally pulls like an amazing minion right when you need it, uh, and yep. then uh, then he pulls kind of Matt Pagel, which is like Dunster Legend <laughs> kind of thing, right? Uh, so it, it just it's every other draw is like just worth like you can hear the audience like gasp like this is insane, and Saddle and Raven having to cast it like literally losing their minds. It's it, it's you've seen these kind of matches before, like mid, like maybe mid tournament or every once in a while, but never like the absolute last match for all the money has never gone this insane. 
No, and two players that came out of the lower bracket to begin with. So just the story leading up to it was also yeah. just like a ton of perseverance. Uh, whether you feel good or bad about RNG generally as a concept in Hearthstone, it certainly made for an exciting event to watch. Yeah. Um, gives us the third out of five, I believe, for Europe now. Uh, you know, I actually, I th- probably, yeah. I actually know that. Cause yeah, because you, you read it, read it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like thinking back. Uh, I can name, I, I think the only North American one was uh, Firebat. And then we had one from China and then three from Europe. Yep. 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 And, e- and either one could have won, and it still would have been Europe. So Europe continuing their dominance. In, uh, yeah, well, Hunter Ace dominated the entire se- season. I think he had the most most wins and the most points from an HCT standpoint. I think the sad stuff was like Muzzy getting knocked out way earlier than expected. Uh, Ike didn't make it as far as he would like to, and he was very much a fan favorite. Uh, going to go on a limb and say story. nobody except for Hunter Ace made it as far as they would have liked to. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that is. Uh, Hunter Ace was struggling too. Again, came from lower bracket, but it was able to do it. I mean, uh, his, the, the funny thing here is like the worst performing deck he had was actually that Shaman deck, and that's what he ended up with in the end. Like, it's all about RNG Jesus. Yep, yep. Some blessing Hunter Ace. The big news of the past week, and nobody saw this coming. Epic Games has purchased Psionics, the makers of Rocket League. So this is a big deal on a ton of fronts. Rocket League, a very, very just generally popular game, had some very troubled history early on in that their their blessing for going free on PlayStation ended up like nearly crippling the company. That's a well-publicized story. Uh, has made a big deal in esports. Obviously, the RLCS has uh, become a very big thing. Rocket League has recently partnered with E-League. And now Epic comes in splashing some of that cash we were wondering what they were going to do with this has a lot of implications from just a general gamer standpoint as well as an esports standpoint oh yeah totally and it also is uh, very unsettling i guess it could be unsettling to valve right because uh, we talked about and maybe it was last week or is in the show notes to talk about how uh, epic games was basically saying if you match cut for cut and what you're getting giving yep. developers then we'll stop the exclusivity stuff yes only to like legit like a week later just buy up psionics and and then elude to the fact that they are going to pull it from steam well of course they are why wouldn't you like you don't you don't spend that kind of money just because you want rocket league's revenue or you're excited about rocket league esports you want to maximize that revenue because now they're a game of yours so you pull them in where you're not paying somebody else for the cut it'd be like apple yeah you're like pulling stuff from the google play store so i mean in this case it's so their announcement said that the PC version of Rocket League will come to the Epic Games Store in late 2019. In the meantime, it will continue to be available for purchase on Steam. Thereafter, which basically says after it's no longer on Steam, uh, it will continue to be supported for Steam for all yeah. existing purchases. I mean, this does make – it puts them in a weird spot. They change platforms, and then you have people invest money in the other, like – are how you know how is that going to affect yeah, your player base? Hurt Rocket League because yeah. if you're used to like I personally don't have the Epic Game Store on my computer because I don't play Fortnite and that was really the only reason to have it and now I have to go and change my habits for that one game and we've talked about this in the past with like Origin for EA um, you know Battle.net even from the Blizzard launcher and, and Activision putting games in that to try to build uh, player habits to go to the Activision games this could potentially have a negative impact on the amount of people playing Rocket League if they have to go either out of principle or just general laziness right. uh, have to go to the Epic Store to start playing it on the PC yeah and so Epic we again got that huge investment of money we were trying to figure out what it was that they were going to do. We knew that the store was part of it, uh, but they had to have other plans. 
and the exclusive uh, exclusive deals that they were working with was largely around like just launching games, but they've never outright bought someone and pulled them from Steam, which is uh, is is something new. Now, if you're uh, at Psionics, we've heard multiple times that like there is no real like Rocket League two in the in the works. Like they're legit just wanting to continue to to roll with. Uh, but it's still a very popular game. A very popular game. Continue to support it. Continue to expand it from an esports standpoint. And this gives them a lot of gas to just do that uh, and a huge player base. I, the numbers came out, I think it was on Game Industry Biz uh, yesterday, that the makers of, uh, I think it was like Saber Interactive, makers of World War Z have moved in two weeks, like 320,000 copies of their game, and they are just on the Epic Game Store. So uh, it, it shows that you can launch a title and make a ton. It's not like, we're not talking like, Facebook gaming numbers where like twelve people are viewing it. Like it, I appreciate you Facebook instead of YouTube this time. Yeah, well, no, well, there's also YouTube gaming, but that's something different. Yeah, <laughs> those numbers don't even count. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. I don't know what impact this is going to have on esports. The the wild conjecture version of me would like, man, they've put a crap ton of money into Fortnite esports. What could Rocket League do with right. that amount of investment on the esports side? Because it is, as we will continue to say, at Infinium, the easiest to digest esport out of all of them for the average layperson that just flips on yeah. tv it's soccer with cars it makes super basic sense if they brought a similar approach to rocket league as they have with fortnite spending a ton of money having a ton of open tournaments it could potentially light the fire for what is already probably one of the fastest growing esports from just like a general consumption standpoint but the big difference is like rocket league is very much with like the rlcs you have a team-based structure which epic uh, has not chosen to do with Fortnite, so there are two competing mentalities around how to run your esports, and that's let's go one v one and put it on NBC. It'll be great. <laughs> no, please don't, please don't. It's such a snore going the two v two stuff on NBC. Oh my gosh, uh, no, I, I think tennis <laughs> basically um, double tennis and where everybody's just in the stands asleep. Uh, it's yeah. I, I I don't I still don't even know why NBC did that. Sorry, you threw out that, and that's like just a. I, I, I know when I put that out there, you just can't help it. It's no, like a, no, it's awful. Why would you mess with the format? Um, <laughs> the, the, it's the literally game. my job. Yeah. Uh, well, I was talking about NBC, but you too. Uh, anyways, <laughs> no, I, I think that it's it, it it does because you know the RLCS is coming to uh, close. Season seven coming to close next month. This deal should be done either by this month or the end of next month. So it's too early for them to kind of weigh in and maybe make those changes uh, on on the on the finals. However, what hold what's what's in store for season eight? Is there a season eight? The, the timing of this of this basically allows Epic Games to have an influence on how esports is run from a Rocket League level from literally day one because yeah. season seven is still going. There's not really other than we know it'll exist. I don't think they've talked a whole lot about anything they might change for season eight. And now they get to do this. They have this promotional deal going on with Turner already through E League for the promotion of a lot of events like. They've got a lot of horsepower behind the RLCS all of a sudden. Yeah. And Epic, if there's anybody that can compete with the level of investment that's been going into Overwatch League, it's currently the bankroll sitting behind Epic Games and what they've been able to do with Fortnite and the recent investment. And I'm pretty excited about this could potentially mean for Rocket League. Well, I mean, what is it? I, more conjecture, but what does it mean for them buying up other games, too? Like, they've got the money. They to buy are, these smaller one-game studios. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it can get crazy. Auto chess. Uh no well oh that would be really would that dirty. Be the ultimate fu to Valve is they just go and they buy auto chess. That would be mad dirty. Although I think ten, no Tencent didn't even get backing into uh, auto chess. They chose they turned down Tencent, which is also yeah. one of the people who invested 
quite heavily in Fortnite yeah. in Epic Games. Man, that would be oh, that'd be that'd be dirty. Yeah. Do it. I want to talk about it. Like this oh, needs man. to happen. Don't Get on it, Epic. Don't start that. Uh, speaking of auto chess, Team Liquid has officially jumped into competitive auto chess pro scene with the signing of hyped and tabs. This isn't surprising to me. How soon will it be before other teams follow suit? This this perspective buying into games has been rampant in the battle royale genre. I'm actually surprised it took this long with auto chess. Well, it, the thing is, is so they I think auto chess just hit the mod itself just hit over uh, eight million followers. Uh, so there's obviously a, a ton of interest in it because I mean I think we were talking about in February it hit like two million. Yeah. So it's it's basically the uh, ramp is insane. Yeah. It's it's growing at a crazy amount. Even with the mobile being launched uh, largely in in China, uh, and it's just kind of now trickling out. I think my biggest question here is like from a from a competitive standpoint, what is going to be supported? Right? Is it the mod? Will there be a a scene for that? Right? Uh, when right. it comes down to it, um, you also have, uh, or will it go mobile? Like you you have two competing two competing interests here, right? You've got Valve wants it to be something because it's a mod of their game but then right. it's also been separated and it's not theirs at all so it kind of makes you wonder what they were asking for of the auto chess team that made auto chess turn them down i i don't know like too big of a too big of a cut too much creative control I, i'm just curious because this just seems like you know we keep harping on this but i'm going to go back to this for a minute it seems like with the challenges they've had with artifact and knowing that artifact is not going to be a quick and easy turnaround there is not a set of things they could do to artifact that can be articulated on a single sheet of paper that's going to magically make artifact right, great. Right. Why wouldn't you just say, do what you need to do? We trust you as a developer. And I get that's hard because this is like a mod developer. Right. This isn't like, you know, this isn't like Player Unknown where he had a track record of a bunch of great mods and then was given a game studio. So we don't have that track record to go on, but it seems like it's worth, for the amount of money Valve has, it would have been worth a bet to overspend to keep this truly in house <laughs> and not have an even worse version because the, the version that sucked for Blizzard was a add on that concept being taken by another game development studio and making a great game. This is literally happening on your game platform as a mod of your game right. getting big. So it's even more... This is not just in your backyard. This is chilling in your kitchen. Like This, yeah. is, this yeah. is insane to me. Well, I mean, they've Valve has a history of kind of missing out on some, some big things. They missed out on Minecraft back in the day. Um, they basically ruined that, ag- that agreement uh, and bringing them on. They didn't like the terms. So... Uh, and, and obviously, that they got acquired for what, like two billion by Microsoft? Yeah. However many years later, so they obviously missed the boat there. But um, <laughs> I think the exact line was, "We think you're a talented developer, but you, but you're kind of like all over the place." We think if you came here as a developer, you could still continue to work on it, but we'd just make you a better developer. <laughs> like, okay, that's not how you onboard somebody with that's, you know. That's Minecraft. how I fill my team at work. Is I'm just like, you know, <laughs> you're kind of an okay engineer, but like you could come here and actually be a good engineer. That just so wins bad. people over. So bad. So um, uh, I don't know. He's, I, a, I, he's a better game designer than the people who designed Artifact. Well, yeah, and, that, and that's the other thing too. You didn't. You've already got it established. You've got the the bones of it there you could essentially continue doing what you need to do it's already based on your property yeah yeah and so whereas artifact well it didn't do so well but so back to this announcement though uh the two people that are that team liquid has i guess you could say uh slotted in as their auto chest group pros uh which is code for paid streamers (laughs) yeah well so hyped uh was already 
uh, signed to Team Liquid. He was signed to their artifact team, which they canned, and they just basically moved him over. Now, Hyped has actually been is like ex Hearthstone player. Uh, he dabbled in Overwatch for a while. Never, I don't think he ever officially went pro in Overwatch, but he streamed a lot of it. Um, solid player all around, but obviously, they again, they they decided to keep him on, keep him with Auto Chess. Uh, he's ex Tempo Storm. I think when he was doing Hearthstone, he was with Tempo Storm. Yep. Um, and then you've got Tabs, which I believe was the uh, the old mid laner for Origin and uh, in League of Legends. And so he um, again has a little bit of a background with this like MOBA style of game, even though Auto Chess is completely different. Uh, but he has definitely been a pro player as well. So it's pulling people in from a bunch of disparate genres, yes. which is I think is the power of and what Valve should be scared of. Yeah, this is not you and I have talked about. Way before even Artifact was launched, we said, is another card game make sense? What tends to get big is a genre you haven't thought of that captures people's imagination. This is what happened with Battle Royale, right? Like, it was just this right. whole new game mode. And we're, like, copying. There's very little success within the year or two of a genre coming out and copying that genre and making it 10% better. Right. This is the MMO problem. This is the MOBA problem. This is the card game problem. So here we are once again, this completely wonky, crazy, impossible to understand for the average person initially format that is auto chess, like has captured the imaginations. And now we have a new genre and it's growing up in their backyard and they need to get their ego out of the way yeah. in order to do this. Because look at this, this is awesome. Like you've got a former MOBA player, MOBA pro player. You got a former Hearthstone pro player, right? Like it's pulling people in and that's pretty great. And Team Liquid's in a good spot, too. They have a little bit more depth, even with it. Uh, Savi's kind of got burnout on Hearthstone, which is he's been listed as a Hearthstone pro. Uh, switched over, and he's largely been making auto chess content, so he's been playing it quite a bit. So they could flip over and have him uh, as well. And, and, I mean, talk about talented. I mean, also got top three at the Mythic Invitational. <laughs> so uh, for Magic the Gathering, their first initial, like, big splash into esports yep. with uh, MTG Arena. And so... Turns out smart people are smart at multiple things. <laughs> right. Even though, like... Ever, felt like the community was kind of against him but kind of for him at the same time like we don't want a streamer against all these pros like he'll never make it he gets top three uh good stuff but yes we'll see more people follow suit with this undoubtedly Uh, who's next tsm i think oh probably they they, they love to splash around stuff like this Last but not least, Riot is taking actions against people who are attempting to spoil Endgame. Uh, one of the League of Legends player posted his email conversation with the Riot support team after receiving a three-day suspension for repeatedly posting spoilers in chat. How do you feel about this? This is an interesting uh, thing to worry about. I'm not surprised that it's happening, but Riot actually taking action is a pretty interesting thing. I I didn't hear like rampant abuse of this or like rampant like it happening to like multiple multiple people, but uh, the fact that this did happen once was newsworthy enough that it probably stopped quite a few people from doing it. I mean, that's really all you need to do is just fire off that warning shot. Yep. Uh, and he was made an example, or she was made an example, and then there you go. Uh, wow. We probably told this story on the show before, but this is like the equivalent of that guy that I think was here in Columbus that drove around to various Barnes and Nobles when the last Harry Potter book was coming out. It was like standing in out of his sunroof and reading the final chapter with like a megaphone to people as he drove by the line oh, no. and people waiting at Barnes and Noble. This is like the uh, 2019 video game equivalent of that. I mean, this was happening a lot. It's happening a lot uh, in, in Twitch streams as oh, well. People jumping everywhere. in. Every comment yeah. section on the internet. Like, yeah, it's everywhere. You can do it. The people just want to jump in and, and whatever so i read the original comics i kind of have an idea that things go south or whatever it may be i don't even know i have not watched an avengers game uh, or avengers movie so let, let me spoil it for you right now all right anyways <laughs> I, I don't know what people's obsession 
is with spoiling things for people like that it's just like the epitome of an asshat move and there's i don't want to get into the the mechanics of how long you can wait to spoil things or whatnot i'd say right now is probably too soon well yeah yeah i think so too it, it's been a week yeah today. <laughs> it's still in theaters it's like let it get out of theaters then you can say well you have the opportunity yeah, dude yeah like, yeah, there you that's, go. Uh, but interesting anyway. And, but one thing that I want to mention real quick, the response from Riot is because basically this player reached out and said, hey, this isn't in the code of conduct. And they're right. like, well, we reserve the right. It is not just the things in the code of conduct. You can be banned or suspended for things outside of that if we view that it's detrimental to the player base, which, of course, that got everybody riled up because the rules don't even matter anymore. Yeah, I think they're exact words. We, we, uh, we have a we cannot list every behavior that can lead to a penalty and we can intervene when we feel that it is actually uh, disrupting the game's experience. And so, yeah, don't be an asshole. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. That's really all it should say. Yeah. Player code of conduct. Yep. Pretty much. Uh, that's going to do it. You can catch us every week on iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. Just head over to eleaguereport.com for all the ways to listen and subscribe. And while you're there, uh, leave us a five-star review. We always appreciate them. It makes seven warm and fuzzy. No uh, Mercedes, though, unfortunately. You still rolled up in the, the normal hoopty today. Yeah, yeah. I'm still, still waiting on that Mercedes. Super, super disappointing. And, of course, if you want to talk to us directly, you can join over at our Discord server at discord.eleaguereport.com. That'll be it for this week. We'll be back next week with yet another episode of the E-League Report. We'll be right back.